Hi guys, uh, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. Uh, this is episode 12. 12. I was like, oh god, what episode is it? Um, and depending on where you're listening uh, from, you may be practicing some social distancing. Uh, your job may be closed. Your schools may be closed. You may be in your room. So I hope that I can provide you with a fun and entertaining episode uh, and that you can enjoy, you know, me crazy. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm also recording from home for the first time as opposed to recording from our like fancy soundproofy booth at my job because, you know, uh, social distancing. So there may be background noises that you wouldn't have heard before, uh, like, you know, sirens. I'll try to get rid of those as much as I can but I'm also not good at any of that so we will see we will we will see all right so this week um diving into an Alini Singh um eh, what book is this is this book eight I believe it's book eight you would think I would have written that down but you know anyway before I'm trying to think do I want to start? There's two other books I really want to talk about. And I'm like, do I want to do those now? Or at-? you know what? Here's in case you're like, oh, the structure is going to be the Nolini Singh book with no spoilers. Then the other two books I wanted to talk about. And then the Nolini Singh book again, but with spoilers. Because some of you are like, Esther, we don't like spoilers. How dare you ruin our lives? Invalid, you know, I mean... I get it, uh, a little, sort of, kind of, and I will do that to you. Um, so the book, the Nolini Singh book, uh, that read for this week is Bonds of Justice. That's right, Bonds of Justice. <laughs> no, it's not. It does not involve handcuffs, people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let me stop there. Um, this book, of course gives us a pairing we haven't yet seen in this universe, in this world, uh, so to say. Uh, we get our first um, human and psi pairing, okay? If you've been paying attention, we've had human and changeling. That would be Clay and Talon. And we've had changeling and psi. There's many of them. I'm not listening to them all. Devraj and Katya were technically like it's both side, but one side in the side net and the other side outside of the side net in the shadow net. So we have not seen this yet, human and and side. Um, and so, so not only do we get this brand new pairing that we have not yet seen, um, but this book definitely sort of sets up the fact that something big is coming something very big is coming which will then play out in the next like five or six books um and it is interesting because okay when we were when we had characters that were changeling whether they were part of the dark river leopard pack or the snow dancer wolf pack we obviously got to learn more about those two packs their pack structure how they do things in this book, we're with a human who, from what we learn, 
doesn't really have ties to anybody else. And then a Psy. And remember, Psy barely have ties. Like, they just have their one tie to their genetic legacy, a.k.a. kids. And this side, she doesn't even, she doesn't have kids. And her parents are, were like, mm, bye, thank you so much, we don't want you, kind of thing. So we've got these two individuals who are so, so very alone in terms of their connections to both their communities, others, in certain ways. And then, you know, they find each other and they fall in love and it's amazing. Um, and we get to sort of see, you know... I get so the two characters' names are uh, of the main characters. We've got Max Shannon, he's human, and Sophia Russo, she's Psy. And so we learn, you know, that not all human, that not all humans can, you know, have their minds sort of violated by Psy with mental powers. Like some of them have shields, and so a Psy person can't get in there. But like. Mm. I see you've got this great invention. <laughs> it's my invention now. Imagine I'm making like an evil face. Um, we we find, I think it's mentioned in previous books, but it becomes very clear in this book. Um, not only that, uh, Max and Sophia are brought together for two different reasons. One is a case, uh, Max is a cop, a case that Max has been working on. And Sophia, oh, sorry guys Sophia is a side but we find out in this book she's a side a kind of side we haven't met yet she's a J a justice side and so we learn all about what that means and so they're brought together Max and Sophia the uh, firstly because of a case Max is working on but then they're also brought together again which is you know why we had a love story come on guys um they're brought together again because of counselor Nikita Duncan. This would be Sasha's mother, and Sasha would be Lucas Hunter's mate. She would be our first Psy who defected. So there's there's a lot of weird little there's a lot of um I feel like a lot of groundwork was laid in earlier books for us to understand why this decision happens is made and then it starts to also give us answers to some questions we had about Nikita about Nikita's relationship with Sasha or lack thereof um so this book ah it's interesting because there are books in this series that are like my clear faves and this one's not like a clear fave but as I reread it I was like oh oh this book does a lot of it feels like sort of the calm before the storm but not really because it's not calming of a book but it's like oh things are gonna get like intense intense from this point on like things are not there is no de-escalation anymore the things are just going to sort of escalate and escalate and escalate and i also thought it was really interesting that in the characters, in these characters that we meet, Max and Sophia specifically, um, up until this point, we've met both our Psy and Changeling characters that we've met. So, actually, no, not both our Psy. Specifically, our Changeling characters that we've met. All of them have a family, even if it's um, not a blood family, even if it's a found family. But every sort of, like, Changeling character we've met up until this point, Lucas, Mercy, Dorian... Clay, Vaughn, Hawk, Riley, um, 
all have family. Um, and whether or not they've got childhood trauma, um, did not have family in their, you know, uh, in their childhood, Vaughn, Clay, um, grew up with, you know, mother and father and are happy, you know, their parents are still alive. I think Dorian and Mercy both have living parents who are happy, um, because Lucas's parents are sadly gone, but all of these people have not only grown up with, like, um, immediate family, but also, you know, found family, um, the pack works as family, and the side that they've fallen for, the humans that they've fallen for, have then learned about family through their packs, their pack structure, the customs, all of those things, um, and I think Dev and Katya's book is, but even in Dev and Katya's book, Devraj has the forgotten, right? He has an entire network of descendants of Psy who um, have had to figure out how to get by in a society uh, where they are no longer part of the Psy structure at, while the Psy, you know, net and everyone in it is trying to kill them. So even with the trauma that he's gone through, again, the concept and idea of family whether it is blood or found existed already like dev knew of it and had grown with it and you know so it's not kati is learning about this uh, uh in regards to her relationship to him and as that grows but it isn't in max and sophia's case these are two individuals who literally don't really have any family and from a very, very, very young age. So you have two characters who are now focusing on learning about family with each other. Right? And Max has a connection with Dark River because, through Talon and the, how he helped out um, at that moment in time. So it's not like he's never... but it, Neither of these characters, neither Max or Sophia, currently are part of the familial structure uh, or grew up with one. And so them finding each other um, is very, I think, is really interesting. And I think it, I think it reminds us, in case, as as we're reading, that not everyone in this world is going to come from an awesome pack with, you know, and fall in love with someone else who's, and be able to bring them. Some people are going to literally have to create their family, um, because their blood family just <laughs> was hot garbage, trash, um, pieces of shit. I, I could go on. So this book, I really enjoy this book. Um, And I realized, like, yeah, I haven't read this in quite some time, but wow. And it also made me think, unfortunately, or maybe not unfortunately, of our current sort of, you know, modern day society, where we do have lots of people who grow up without, you know, anyone in their corner, right? Like, they don't have a mom and a dad um, and didn't have one. It's not like, oh, I had them and they loved me and I loved them and then they died. Like, no, they they were just never there. <laughs> they just, <laughs> from the jump, couldn't stand me, hated me, gave me up. 
And those people, you know, all deserve to find love and to create the kind of family that they didn't have as kids. Um, So I, this book, I was like, ooh, interesting. I like it, like. Okay, I feel like anything else I say about this book is going to get real, real spoilery. So I'll come back and talk about it um, in the spoiler section. And you can listen to me spoiling and don't get mad. And like, you should read it anyway, because it's not like I'm like reading it for you. Like, I'm talking about it, but once you go and you read it, you'll just be like, oh, so good. So, so good. All right. So I'm going to pause here. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about two books that have, um, I think I've done an, I don't even know what word to use. I'm like, is it incredible, fantastic, phenomenal? All three of those. Let's say all three of those, um, job, with the way that they use scene in the book. Like, it. I'll be back. And you should be back too, guys. After this, uh, pause a bit, a sponsorship from Anka. All right, I'm back. Okay, so two books that I think have done uh two books wow i'm talking about the books like the books did it this themselves let me let, let's start again guys not two books two authors that i think have done an incredible phenomenal fantastic and wonderful job in the way that they portray the scenes or not the scene i guess the place where their stories sort of inhabit and you're like, eh? This is many words to say. Oh, what? So, the two the authors I'm talking about are Ruby Lang and Kate Claiborne. And specifically, the two books I'm speaking about are House Rules and Love Lettering. In both of these books, both of these authors draw a picture of New York City. New York City, sorry, not New York City. That for me who lives here in New York City feels real feels like home feels expansive and full of magic and opportunity in the same way that I feel in the city if you're like what it's just if you haven't read either of these books if if you are, you know, out here and you're like, I haven't read House Rules. I haven't read Love Lettering. I beg you to read them. And I beg you to read them. If you've been to New York, I want you to read them and think about how these books remind you and make you feel like you're in New York. If you've never been to New York, right? If you're like, hey, Esther, like I live in, you know, X, Y, and Z. I ain't never stepped foot in NYC. Ooh, guys, I rhymed. Anyway. If you've never been to New York, I think that these two books will give you such a perfectly captured um, view of the city. So I just literally finished Love Lettering earlier today. And by earlier, I mean like half an hour ago. Um, And I finished House Rules, I want to say earlier this week. Unfortunately, it took me way too long to read that, but such is life. Anyway, what I realized after reading, having read both, um, was that 
in both cases, both Ruby Lang and Kate Claiborne, it's not that New York City overtook the book, right? And all of a sudden, you don't really see the characters and you're focused on the city. But it made... I felt like both relationships could happen in the New York that I currently live in, in present day. I felt like they wrote two stories that I could see happening right now. That like I could meet a friend and have a friend tell me about her love story. And it would be exactly like, you know, Megan Reads in um, Love Lettering. Or it would be exactly like Lana, Lena, Lana. I'm going to call her Lana um, and Simon in um, yeah, House Rules. Like, these authors wrote the New York that exists t- today with both the good and the bad about the city because the city is magical and phenomenal and wonderful and also dirty and gross and insane. And it can be a place that can lift you up and bring you literal joy and it can also kill you i mean and not just like like literally like stab stab shot shot or you know fall in front of the train but i mean it can strip you of all the joy in your heart and in your soul and so i think that both ruby and kate just ah, did such a good job and i don't i, I mean what were my expectations reading by their book i'd read the previous book in ruby's um series about you know because it's center of real estate in new york and i think in that book i also felt like the new york she was writing about was it in new york that i'm like eh who lives like that like i know how to describe this certain shows that are set in new york city even if they're not filmed here i'm like oh whose new york is that i don't know that new york i've never seen that new york i don't understand that new york i don't that's not my lived experience or the lived experience of anybody i know in new york city but in the case of both of these books i was like this feels like the new york i know this feels like this feels like you know home and today and present and it's so they're both so well done um and then i kept hearing about love lettering uh i believe on the twitters um, I saw Kate Claiborne at the Galentine event that, um, Word Bookstore had in, uh, Greenpoint. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, yes, it's Greenpoint. I was like, what's that random New York City neighborhood I never get to because I live in the Bronx? Yeah, that one. And she was so cool and she seemed so nice. And I was like, okay, I'm going to borrow this from the library. Put it on hold and it finally showed up and I started reading it and I was like, what? <laughs> hold on hold up hold up girl what is this genius what is this wonder so it was like i went from like i finished ruby's book and was like wow wow look at the way she captured like new york to kate's book and be like there are two of you there are two of you out here capturing a new york city in a way that is just like a perfect wonderful stunning so yeah if you haven't read love lettering by kate claiborne and house rules by ruby lang please go get them go get them now you're going to love them if you're like sir actually 
I hate New York City so very much. Well, guess what? You don't have to be here. You can read awesome love stories that take place here without having to step foot here. Because you might be like, you know what? I hate the dirtiness and all the people, the crowds and the noise and and just like the overwhelmingness of it all. Well, here's a wonderful way to see New York without having to be in New York. And it's not a New York that's sort of made up, that's fabricated, that's, it's not a Disneyland version of New York, okay? These are, this is like real, okay? You're like, oh my god, are you sure? I mean, yes, I'm sure, and I, I love, I really loved both books, and, um, I'm just sort of in awe that both of these authors just made New York City such a perfect backdrop to the stories that they were telling. Um, And at no point does the city, I think, overwhelm the book, overwhelm the character. I mean, no. But it it's just done so, so well. I mean, ugh. the fact that, like, Megan Reed go on walks throughout the city to find, like, hand-lettering signs. And it sounds crazy, but, like, no, there legit are tons of neighborhoods that you can go to in the city to see hand-lettering signs. The fact that, oh, in case you're like, hmm, so what are some of, like, the tropes? So for Ruby's book, we've got roommates forced proximity because of roommates and also it's second chance because they used to be married and got a divorce and I was just like and it sounds crazy I feel like any other city uh you know San Fran could might be the other only other exception no you're not gonna move in with your ex to say while we're at what the fuck what are you talking about that's insane but in New York it's like <laughs> no yeah I yeah I can see that that mm, that makes logical sense um, and then just like, ugh, you have to just, oh, it's so good. It's so good. And then for Megan Reed, oh, and then I'd seen this mentioned on Twitter and I was like, whoa. So Meg, not only do we get the relationship between Meg and Reed, our two main characters, but Meg also is having difficulties with her best friend, uh, Sibby, and I'm pretty sure I saw someone tweet this being like, if you've ever had a friendship go south or things have gotten really bad and you've had to work really hard to sort of bring your friendship back, listen. Kate Claiborne was like, guys, 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 here it is. Here's free home paper. In case you were wondering what it's like to have a friendship sort of start to disintegrate, it's so well done. It is. I was reading it and I was just like, oh, Mm, like were you in the room with me when I was having it like what how 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 ma'am how so yes I'm gonna say it again love lettering by shit I almost called her clay by Kate Claiborne (laughs) and house rules by Ruby Lang so so good okay guys go out oh I didn't give you tropes for that one Oops, my bad. I mean, hmm, what would the tropes be for love lettering? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. 
I mean, it's not enemies to lovers or friends. No, I don't know. I'm blanking. You're going to be like, Esther, actually, the tropes are. Mm -mm 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 -mm. And I'm like, "Mm, thank you so much. Yeah, just tell me on Instagram or Twitter what the tropes are, because I literally my brain is like, no, I guess I could Google it. Okay, maybe I will Google it. You're all like, what? I mean, I'm just like, I don't, I can't think of any. I mean, there's competency porn. Like, he knows what he's doing at his job, and she knows what she's doing. And, hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm blanking. Oh, someone wrote opposites attract. I mean, I guess. I guess Meg and Reed are opposites. She's all about letters. He's all about numbers. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. We'll go with that one. We'll go with that one. But yes, guys, go get these books. Read them. Enjoy them. Um, Fall in love with New York City if you don't already. And remember, you can fall in love with New York City and not have to come here. Just love these books. Um, and then obviously read both authors backlist because why not? <laughs> They're good. So you should. Um, he, he, he. I mean, I'm going to, so you should also, I mean, we're going to have so much time to read so much time to read. So let's do it. All right. I'm going to uh, pause here, probably take a sip of some water to stay hydrated. Um, And when I return, friends, when I return, we're going to talk about Bonds of Justice, Mop and Spoilers, because I have lots of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. And uh, my thoughts might, might, you might be like, those are some crazy thoughts. I mean, yeah, but it wouldn't be me if it wasn't like that. All right. See you in a bit. See it. You know what I mean. Bye. All right. I'm back. You're back. We're back. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, me wild. So, Bonds of Justice, uh, book eight, Psy Changeling series by the incomparable Nalini Singh. Yes, yes. So, as I mentioned earlier, this book, we've got a human and a psi um, are our main characters who are going to fall in love. Max, Max Shannon and Sophia Russo are going to end up together, guys. Together and in love. Live. Imagine like some like Cupid like figure drawing a heart and like floating hearts around it. Um, you're like, what? Okay, so this book <laughs> we meet a new kind of psi right sophia russo is a j uh, and we find out j stands for justice psi these are telepaths who have an interesting quirk they can um not only go in and find complete memories in people's minds but they can then um oh what is the word they can then share that with other people Humans and other size. I don't think it works with changelings because of their mental shields. So they can transmit and not just like say it, but literally transmit the memory that they've taken um, to 
um, other people in the justice sort of system. So that means that if you have a case where someone's like, uh, ooh, for example, if we were living in this world and a character like Harvey Weinstein existed in this world, a justice, a JSI, uh, a J, uh, would have gone into his brain, taken out the relevant memories tied to all of the charges, and then transmitted those memories directly into the prosecutor who would have been like, okay, so like, we can see that you did it. Now what, sir? And I mean, he got 23 years, which, yay, uh, but he might have gotten more uh, and might not have changed so long. But anyway, that's that's the, that's the idea that like they can go in and be like, oh, this is when this person committed this crime or in certain cases be like, actually, this person was never anywhere near this and they're actually full on innocent. So up until this point, we've met telekinetic side. Uh, we've we've just met side that don't really have anything to do with the world of justice. Um and I don't think that there's really any mention of JSI before this book. So I don't even think we would have necessarily thought of that kind of an ability. Now, Max Shannon is a detective in um, enforcement. Um, so enforcement is sort of the police force. The police is, they don't technically police everyone. Um, what, who they police are Psy and human who are not tied to any changeling packs changelings have complete jurisdiction over all changeling members and people who are in their packs who aren't necessarily changeling and since there are humans who are mated with with changelings they would also have jurisdiction over those humans um and i believe if it's a case of humans and changelings then changelings have jurisdiction and enforcement doesn't show up but if it's a case of just humans, just Psy, or just humans and Psy, enforcement shows up. Now, because Psy people have mental powers, they like to manipulate shit. Surprise! Um, and Max has a natural human shield. Uh, I believe Talon also had a human shield. We met her in book four. So he can't be manipulated in the way that other human um, enforcement officers can be manipulated manipulated so even though he's got a ridiculously like high solve rate for his cases he's still just a regular detective never gonna be a lieutenant because the people in power are like but we can't you know manipulate him when we need to so yeah so in this book we i feel like the lady does sets this book up in this specific way to sort of give us again a bigger insight into this world that isn't our world, but, you know, feels similar. Um, as I had said at the beginning, Max and Sophia are brought together twice for two different reasons. Um, the first reason that they're brought together is Max was able to get enough evidence to convict a human serial killer. Um, this man is cray-cray, awful, sadistic, yada, yada, yada. And Max was able, and he killed a bunch of women. I believe his nickname was the Butcher of Park Ave. Um, And so Max is able to get this man, to get enough evidence to get this man convicted. 
what they currently, when we meet these characters, want from this crazy man is the locations of the bodies of his victims because they don't know um you know serial killer and he hasn't given that information up and the idea is he'll give up that information in exchange for um basically a better stay while he's incarcerated because i believe he's incarcerated for life but i was like well to make it like a little bit easier and nicer and give you you know some additional um benefits while you're locked up we'll do that if you tell us where the bodies are where the remains are so Sophia being a J, what ends up happening is she is a J, I guess, closest when a J is requested because she can then go into Bonner's mind and extract that information. So this is when Max and Sophia first meet. Of course, this is also when Bonner first meets Sophia. And Sophia's backstory is fascinating enough that he, uh, she has um, scarring on her face uh, and her hands. Um, and of course, Bonner's like, ooh, pretty and damaged, me likey, which is like gross, you're a serial killer. Um, so this is when they first, uh, Max and Sophia first meet. But then they are brought together again um, because Nikita Duncan, who is a counselor in San Francisco, whose daughter defected and is mated to the Alpha of Dark River. So Nikita's daughter is Sasha. Um specifically requests Max, Shannon, and Sophia to help her. And it seems like even both of them are like, why did you specifically ask for us? The hell? And I think that there's various reasons. It's never made explicitly clear, but both Max and Sophia do not have mothers. Um, In the case of Sophia, you'd be like, well, she's sad. Like, they don't technically have that same rule. But the traumatic event that Sophia goes through, she goes through basically a different sadistic serial killer kind of person um, because Jays need specialized training and there aren't that many of them. So as soon as they pop up, they sort of get pressed into training so that they can be a future, become Jays in the future. This man takes four of them for uh, more intense training, uh, gets permission to have them inside his shields so they all have like you know their little mental shield so that they don't like leak out information onto the net and so he's able to get permission from the parents to have these kids within his shields so then they also can't like ask for help right because they're inside his mental shields they're you know like not they're not physically in him but you know what i mean anyway he takes these four kids sophia's one of them and tortures them and uh Essentially, of the four, Sophia is the only survivor. Um, but of course, she's eight. The trauma of this, obviously, you know, is horrifying. And because the Sai, you know, have the issues that they have, her parents are kind of like, yeah, you know, this is not acceptable as a genetic heir. So we're just going to terminate all our rights to her. So she has no family. We've then got Max, whose mother hates him or hated him. She has passed. And we later find out that his father was not like some like awesome man, but that in fact, his father raped his mother. Why she decided to carry her son to term, we'll never know. Maybe, maybe she believed that she could get past it. We don't know. 
because we never obviously meet his mother because she's passed. So you've got these two characters who don't have any sort of, who don't, who are motherless. And then you have this woman who cut ties with her daughter, calls her defective, but also never got rid of her. Because I think it's mentioned in this book that that Nikita would have known when she was pregnant with her daughter what kind of designation she was. And if the Isai, you know, the empaths are so, like, bad, you know, they're seen as, you know, terrible aberrations, like, bad things. They're not killed anymore because they're necessary. But if they're seen as, like, not acceptable genetic hair heirs, sorry, heirs, heirs, why wouldn't she have terminated her daughter and just tried again? So clearly there's that sort of murky, right? Because every action Nikita, pretty much every action Nikita has done up until this point makes it seem like she's just like as cold-blooded and as like, fuck y'all, as the rest of the side. But clearly something there's something that we're not seeing or she's refusing to let anyone really see because yeah she could have got rid of her daughter and she could have so i don't know if she i wonder does she ask for these two people she's just like these are the two people who she thinks on some like crazy subconscious level will you know try to protect her oh sorry you're like what she requests the two of them because people are trying to kill her it's in Oh, what book is it? It wasn't Devon. It must have been, I feel like it was book five. Dorian and Ashaya's book, possibly, that there is an assassination attempt on Nikita. It might even have been Klein and Talon's book, but it doesn't succeed. Um, and what we realize in this book is, okay, the person who's trying to get to her couldn't get to her, but starts going after her, her inner circle. And Nikita doesn't trust anybody. So that's why she pulls in a human and a quote unquote broken sigh to um, help her. Now, Jay's, I think, are the kind of sigh that obviously understand that emotion just exists. And hasn't gone away because they have to go into the minds of criminals, um, both human and psi. And, you know, you have to see constant, the constant flow of people acting in a way that's, you know, literal evil. And so we learn all about Jay's and we have Max and this, it seems so, on one hand, I'm like, wow, okay. You talk to people who are alone and you brought them together and now they're together and I'm good. But I also just thought like, you know, in terms of these two characters and not just these two characters, but the entire sort of the precipice that we're on at this point in the book, things are definitely changing. Um, Faith, who's the foreseer, has is having, you know, feelings and visions. And she's like, Sophia Russo is at sort of the center of a pivotal moment. And in this book, there's a clear split in the council between those, because we re- we find out more or less by the end of the book, and we get hints of it throughout. The reason Nikita was targeted is because Nikita is the only counselor 
that is choosing to associate, at least on a business level, with all three races. Um, other members of the council seem to either only do business with Sai or, you know, maybe have varied business sisters. But Nikita has, you know, this really profitable, um, oh, what is the word? No, it's not connection. Anyway, she's got, you know, the business, she's got a really profitable business, business agreement with Dark River, Snow Dancers, silent partner in that. So she's got, you know, money coming in from changelings. She's willing to work with humans. She's willing. So she is sort of a lightning rod in a sense. She's the one sort of counselor in power who is willing, at least for the sake of business, to work with whoever is best. And for certain counselors, Henry and Shoshana, and even Tatiana Riker-Smith to a certain degree, that idea is just no. It's like, what? Fuck the mother races. They're hot garbage. Um, There's a quote that I like wrote down because I was just like ooh that's about pure side here it is they've come to believe that contact with the other races is contaminating us and that that contamination is a direct cause of the rise in defections and whispers of rebellion now that sentence stuck out to me for several reasons right the con the pure side thinks oh it's the fact that we still have contact with these with you know humans and changelings we're highly emotional that's the reason why we're having the breakdowns uh that's the reason why people are defecting without understanding that is that the reason or is it that the thing that you've tried to prevent um is impossible and the you know the universe you're in is sort of showing you that the other reason it stuck out to me is because Currently, um, in our world, uh, everyone's freaking out over a virulent virus that I really do think is going to sort of reshape the way we interact and do things because of the fact that it's so highly contagious. But if we think back to just a year ago, two years ago, um, there's been a lot of rhetoric from certain um, from certain corners, I'd say certain politicians, governments, movements, where the idea of different groups of people interacting is being held as the reason why things are going wrong, right? Um, people believing that it's immigrants are the reason that the economy is bad or people of a certain background and that the thought that if we can just isolate ourselves from the others then we'll be fine and we'll rise to power and that it is the fact that we are allowing ourselves to be contaminated by you know being you know integrated with these others that that's what's holding us back that that's what's causing the problems that that's what's causing the issues um and I thought it was so interesting to see the see this concept right very clearly in this book um, because obviously it's a fictional book, but you know, Nalini saying is not living in a vacuum. She's living in the world that we live in today. And even though this book was not, I think this is like 2010, I'd have to go look it up. 
anyway um but i did think in this book um so there's that which i was like ooh, very reminiscent of our you know current sort of day um the fact that the council is trying to sort of pretend that the instances of silence splintering um falling apart are just sort of things to ignore and trying to quiet and tamp it down because we don't want the public to panic because we just have to you know go keep doing what we said we were going to do and that'll be fine that immediately made me think of the different government responses to um the virus um everyone sort of being like oh well you know like if we just is a don't panic it's fine and then immediately you know within days weeks being like so maybe we were wrong about our initial response and just me thinking what is it that causes those who are in power i mean a part of me thinks it's like we want to maintain our stronghold or or our chokehold on the power that we have and if we admit that we are worried then we somehow lose that power i i don't know it it's a very like what is it it allows for certain people to become so blind to the writing on the wall that it then gets to a certain point where, you know, eventually it's like you can no longer be blind because the wall has come at you and like, you know, cr- cr- crushed you, crashed you, <laughs> crushed you. Um, but I thought that and I don't I mean, again, this book wasn't written now, but as I was reading it, I was like, oh, hmm. Interessante. Um, and then not only do, not only as I was reading it, this book was I thinking sort of on a community sort of larger scale, but I was also just thinking individually, um, going back to what I mentioned earlier about how both Max and Sophia don't technically have any family, right? These are two characters who are very very alone in a way that we've only we've seen it with talon but even talon talon had her connection to clay right and in katya's case katya had a connection to ashaya um before devrash came into her life um judd defected with his whole family from the net right with his brother and his niece his two nieces and his nephew um we haven't really seen i mean sasha i guess could have been but sasha has her mother nikita as shitty as that woman is she's there and faith's father is there for her vaughn didn't have his family because you know his parents were terrible and his sister died but he had the pack but in the case of max and sophia they are alone alone max has Max has the ten has the beginnings of a deep friendship with members of Dark River, and within this book, things happen right that sort of deepen that bond that we know going forward they are sort of accepted sort of you know honorary members of the pack, but that doesn't really happen until this book um so these two characters are so very alone and they both have thoughts of you know the fact that they are so utterly alone um he has 
a sentence where it's uh he says I don't I don't think he says I think he thinks it but it's if you didn't claim people they couldn't reject you couldn't leave you couldn't break your fucking heart and oh good god it's like damn punch me in the throat bitch like the emotions oh and then um Sophia also has a line that I was like um, her line is, no one had ever before chosen her. No one, right? And so we've got these two characters that, like, have to figure out. Not only do they have to navigate the fact that she is a psi, he is human. She is um, unable to leave the net, unlike our previous psi characters that we've met. Unlike Faith, unlike Sasha, Ashaya, um, Katya. Sophia is a minor anchor. Her psyche is anchored in the net. She cannot just cut her connection, her link. To do so is to literally rip out her personality and leave not even a shell of a human. So she can't leave the net. He is human. The way things stand when the book starts, there's no way that they could ever be together. Absolutely not. Now again, guys, it's a romance novel. And so by the time we get to the end of the book, we are made aware that Nikita is aware that there's a shift happening in the world. And unlike some of the other counselors, she does not intend to fall behind and she realizes, and I wonder then, I'm like, it, did you pick Sophia and Max because you understood that these two individuals could herald? Because it's not like she knew that, that they obviously did, had not met. Um, she had no way of knowing that they'd form a relationship and wish to be together. But to her, it's not like, oh, y'all can't be together. It's like, you need to be discreet. Because things are changing, but not fast enough to obviously accept what's going on with the two of you for now. And so, of course, it could just all be sort of very pragmatic, like, this is for business reasons only. But clearly, it raises questions. And I thought, and technically, okay, Max technically has... It's not that he has zero family. He has a younger brother. But we find out in the book that his younger brother ran away, was a drug addict, and he, you know, he's a cop, and he hasn't been able to track down his brother. Sophia is able to track down his brother, which I thought was like, okay. Um, but by the end of the book, Sophia, Max, and Max's brother, River, are this little family unit. And I just... What I think, I think what sticks out to me specifically is that Nalini is showing us that love isn't just for people who already have family in some fashion, that it can also find people who are completely and utterly alone. These people might have to learn how to love together but it is most definitely possible probable doable and that those kinds of connections 
um, can then be sort of the starting point for other kinds of connections that are going to be absolutely necessary. Um, this Sophia and Max is a really important sort of relationship because Max as a human, um, oh, this is a spoiler section, so I'm gonna, y'all are gonna be like, bitch, but I'm gonna spoil this, um, is absolutely vital to the sign hit. This is not something that is known to anyone yet, but we will find that information out many books later. And knowing now what I know, because I've you know obviously read the whole series, I realize, you know, at that moment, Nalini Singh is trying to let us know there's a reason why Nikita was sort of targeted. And it's because of her willingness to work with all three races. Her willingness to be open to all three, mingling, intermingling, connecting. And it'll, it'll, it, it'll show up again and again and again. Um, another thing that I totally forgot in this book, we start to realize that Caleb, I mean, Caleb Krychek, the counselor, is it like a wonderful, cuddly, awesome cinnamon roll of a man? No, (laughs) up until this point, it, oh no, someone's honking. I don't know if you guys are going to hear that. I'm so sorry. Up until this point, he has come off as like pretty much a shitty awful dude he's had his moments where you're like hmm but in this book he does a few things um he definitely helps max get to sophia because he's he can teleport and he helps with getting the information out of bonner's head to to oh my god sorry guys to save um not save sorry to find the remains of Bonner's victims. But we find out that he's been searching for someone. And it's been hinted at that he's searching for something. But in this book, we find out he's been searching for someone. Someone he hasn't been able to teleport to. Even though he's capable of teleporting it to people. And you get the sense, you get the feeling that whoever this character is that we have not yet met that Caleb is searching for and has been searching for for six years this character is not just anyone to him this character is very important and I was like okay because I'd I, to be fair I'd forgotten that this that happens in this book and it was just like oh there is that glimpse into the fact that Caleb isn't just a power hungry counselor right we also see that Henry and Shoshana and Tatiana, hmm, hmm, <laughs> trash. Um, Ming has a brief appearance. We also realize that the arrows are like, hmm, it's time for us to no longer serve Ming, which we knew was coming because of their actions in the previous book. Because the arrows have always been about upholding silence, yet are clearly no longer working alongside 
the concept of like a hive mind and all of that. So this book, similar to other books, it has set up what is coming. Um, and it is clear that we're going to see shifts, right? There's, you've got Nikita and Caleb and Anthony and Ming just barely seeing the world one way. Tatiana, Henry, and and Shoshana seeing it a completely different way. And I personally think a very sort of erroneous way. And then it's like, hmm, what will it mean? Um, and what will happen? And so, I mean, I really, I mean, I enjoy all Nadalini saying books. Come on, let's be real. But I, as I reread this one, I was like, hmm. It, it, it just, it did really make me think like, wow, you know. Love, obviously, you know, it's like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. You're too messed up. You don't get a shot. It's like, no, nah, girl. Like, like we good. We all here. You know, this is, we can do this. Um, and I just, I liked that we got to see these two characters sort of figure out um, that they, how much they matter to each other and how it will work for the two of them. Right? Um Oh, also, another weird thought. So, Bonner is a human serial killer. Up until this point, all the serial killers we've heard or, or talked about have been Psy. So I think in this book, we're also being reminded, okay, it's not just that the Psy are absolutely evil. No, every, every race has good, bad, you know, ugly, gray areas, etc. You've got people who are going to be exceptional from all three groups you've got people who are going to be exceptionally evil from all three groups right you can't fall into the trap of thinking oh well all side or this or all human or that or all changelings or that right so bonner is sort of this reminder that like just because you're human doesn't mean that you can't be awful and then Max is like, just because you're human doesn't mean that you are just like, um, what's the word? Oh, my words, they are failing me. You know, when some, up oh, puppet, there we go. I was like, what is the word? ¿Cuál es la palabra? Yeah, like Max is a human who isn't a puppet, who is in many ways exceptional because of his ability to solve cases um, the way that he does. Um, Bonner is like, you know, yeah, complete extreme of that. And then in the case of Sophia, I mean, she's, she's a J and she's a good J. And the fact that they were, I, I did think it was kind of cool that like they fall for each other because it's like, I mean, they're both from the same world, essentially. They've just worked different angles of it. So yes, this book was, I was like, okay. All right. And yeah, the the council and how they're managing things unfortunately reminds me of how current governments are managing things. And it's not comforting, to be honest. It's not. Um, because it feels like the emphasis is on consolidating power as opposed to leading your people. 
and providing the best for them. So it'll be in- I'm now interested in as I continue reading the series in our current climate what other weird things will stick out to me that'll be like yeah um what's the next book in the series oh it's the one with indigo and andrew damn damn what's it called what's it called what's it called you're like esther what is so wrong with you oh i found it play of passion so the next book play of passion um which that book will bring us to snow dancer because that book is kind of give us wait for it wait for it two wolves i just realized something i don't know if any of the books give us two characters both from dark hunter (gasps) i don't think they do i do not believe so hold on now i'm like am i crazy okay first book We've got Lucas and Sasha. Not in the second, not in the third, no one in the fourth, not in the fifth. No. Because, sorry, you're like, what? No, we don't, we don't, hmm. I wonder if that will come up in the future. Should be interesting. But yeah, I really. Bonds of Justice is. Oh, it came out in November 2009 damn it's 2020 that book's about to be 11 years old whereas play of passion came out july of 2010 so in july it'll be 10 years old and yet i adore it i'm trying to think is there anything else i wanted to say about bones of justice i don't think so i think it's an interesting book i think that we have a lot of questions after this book you know what's gonna happen how are things gonna work with max and sophia i mean they're working but like what's gonna change what is it that faith sees that is coming that is dark that is you know literally death (gasps) what is gonna happen with sasha and lucas's baby and what are they having a boy or a girl they don't talk about it or i mean they talk about it but they don't they aren't telling us Oh, they kind of are, but whatever, you know, and like, what other, what will happen to these characters that we've met and care about as the world gets increasingly darker? Um, I mean, oh, so many questions and there'll be answers that'll lead to more questions. And remember guys, I'm reading all of these because June 9th, 2020 uh the next book comes out in the series and that is alpha night alpha night on june 9th alpha night on june 9th don't ask me why yeah whatever so yeah i'm really 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 enjoying this like i said earlier love lettering by kate claiborne house rules by ruby lang y'all should read them i mean and if you've read them well, then you know what I'm talking about. You're just like, oh my God, it was great. Um, please, 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 uh, if you're, you know, feeling the need to have, you know, connection while we are all doing our best to flatten the curve, curve, I almost said curb, flatten the curb, I meant curve. 
please hit me up on Twitter at at Melesi. Um, hit me up on Instagram at at SEMV. Um, tell me about books that you're reading and loving. Or if you've read Bonds of Justice, tell me how much you love it. If you hate it, tell me why you hate it. If you, you know, just read Nalini's latest, which I have, but I haven't started yet. Love hard. Don't, I mean, I guess you can spoil it. Tell me what you think. Like, hi guys, let's, let's continue to be awesome. Stay safe. Read awesome books. Talk about them. Um, and yeah, have a wonderful, wonderful time. Or as much as we can, you know, because, uh, you know, why not? Why not? All right, guys, I'm going to let you go. I'll be back next week. And like I said, next week, it's going to be Play of Passion. That'll be the book I'll be talking about. As long as um, anything else I've read that really, like, stood out to me. Um, Yeah, I think that's it for this week. So. Thank you again for listening. Uh, Take care. Be kind. Be safe. (laughs) And, um, you know, have have a cocktail on me in your home. In your home. Learn how to make, learn how to make one really good cocktail. So you always have at least one cocktail that you can make. And I'm saying this because I'm going to try to learn how to make one really good cocktail. I don't know what it'll be yet. I'll let you guys know next week. Okay, bye.